Max Monahan Ellison. Thanks for being here. Ah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, so there's a lot to talk about. First, you're a board member of Medical Cannabis Canada, uh, organization formerly known as CFAM. Uh, I want to get into that. Uh, we're working together on a panel conversation for next Wednesday for part of our Medical Cannabis Week. So I want to talk about that. And uh, prior to both those things, uh, you guys did some seminal research among your group um, about the patient experience really here in Canada. And I want to talk about that too. Are those things okay? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's start with the name change because uh, for years, uh, everybody knew what is now Medical Cannabis Canada as CFAM. Um, I like the idea of Medical Cannabis Canada a lot. Talk about a little bit about what went behind the, the name change. Well, so, I mean, I think everyone uh, understands that the term marijuana is uh, uh, not necessarily as appropriate before uh, or as, as it was before. Um, so it was something we were definitely looking at doing for a while, but again, we're, we're a super small organization and often you have to prioritize the issues of the day versus some of those large scale structural changes. Um, but we, we saw 2020 as uh, an opportunity to kind of make some bigger changes, look at restructuring, um, kind of setting ourselves up for success because we know we had the Cannabis Act review coming up 2021, the medical framework shortly after. Um, so it was a really good opportunity to kind of use this year as a reset. Um, so what we did is we changed the name, uh, but our, our mandate is still the same. It's still to you know, improve access to treatment for patients, but also uh, improve access to care from healthcare professionals. So that, that still remains our mandate. Access is still a huge part of it. We think that the new name, as much as it is a bit more simple, uh, gives us kind of a good canvas to adapt also as the patient needs may change over the next five years, decade. Um, because at the end of the day, we wanna be a blank slate that supports our members. Uh, and, and that means our mandate uh, might change, but a name like this kind of keeps us pretty flexible. I like it, I like it. Um, and, and I wanna get into that because uh, one of the things that obviously came across our desk and, and we like talking to you about is you guys did a survey of uh, let's call them Medical Cannabis Canada members or part of your, net, your network. Um, talk a little bit about some of the key findings because I think, um, well, I don't think, I want to know from you, sort of what are, what are patients thinking about sort of the current state of medical cannabis? What are they uh, keen on? What are they concerned about? What does the future hold? Talk a little bit about what you guys found. So I think, you know, first of all, the level set, the survey was done among two populations. So the primary research that you probably saw out in the ether, uh, is uh, a survey of about a thousand uh, Canadians that use cannabis for medical purposes. Um, so that was done through uh, a research agency and you know sent out through panel sample. Uh, and you know we had some really good insights that are representative to the overall patient population from that data. Uh, and then the separate sample was of our membership, as you said, which uh, we sent out through our email network. We had about 1,700 patients respond to that. Um, and what was really interesting is, you know, I'd say there's some really key findings in the overall results that are, you know, the representative data to the overall patient population, which I'll dive into, and then what's different about our membership. So, you know, we saw in the uh, larger sample that, you know, only 37% of patients had a medical document uh, for the treatment, which is not necessarily surprising. I mean, we've seen survey research from Health Canada, their 2019 Canadian Cannabis Survey estimated even lower than that. You know, we're seeing uh, the number of uh, medical client registrations uh, reported by Health Canada decline to their lowest level since they started recording that data. Um, so, you know, we're, this is not a surprise. What was really interesting is looking at the difference in outcomes across those two populations. So, 
you know, those with a medical document around 74, 75%. Uh, go to a healthcare pre professional, so a HCP, like a healthcare practitioner, nurse practitioner, or pharmacist, uh, for guidance on cannabis use for medical purposes, compared to just 25% of those without a medical document. So, you know, and that's also, you know, shouldn't be surprising is the idea that someone who is going through the legal medical access framework with a medical document is more likely to be going to a healthcare provider. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. Um, but it just shows that, you know, the, the gap between those two markets is an issue and, and we do need to incentivize people to go and access a medical document for their treatment. Um, you know, even further to that, the issues that we saw were uh, uh, different across the two populations. I mean, COVID-19 impacted all patients. We saw a rise in those on uh, disability support on other provincial support programs. Um, but those with a medical document said that they had harder times accessing their cannabis versus those without. Uh, and that really comes from the medical stream being obviously more heavily regulated than um, the uh, illicit or legacy market, uh, which is not surprising. But, you know, I think really what, what matters in this research is at the end of the day, patients are saying that they're going to unregulated markets. I think it's about 60% of patients saying that they're leaving, you know, legal channels to use the unregulated market because it's just challenging to access. It's too expensive. Um, getting a medical document is difficult. The majority of patients said they had trouble finding an HCP to, to get a medical document. Uh, and on top of that, the system is confusing and just challenging to navigate. So, you know, what really came out of that is that we need to do more to, you know, not only incentivize use of this market, but break down those barriers for patients to get HCP support, get a medical document and access their cannabis affordably uh, through that stream. It's, it's so uh, thoughtful and the approach is really thoughtful. So thank you guys for doing that work. So I think it's really important, obviously, first and foremost to the patients. It also has... Um, implications, ramifications, and, and important considerations for the industry overall and how we serve those patients. Uh, and harken back that it is because of patients that, that we are all here today and, and can enjoy uh, a, a cannabis industry here in Canada. Uh, one of the, uh, so, so that is important. The other factor, and this is not scientific uh, or, or uh, quantitative, um, uh, that, that is sort of more on the ground is that you spend any time in any of the cannabis stores, legal or otherwise, um, here in Canada, many of the questions you hear are sort of health, wellness, medical related, which adds to the challenge, of course, the legal market, right? Because they can't actually answer those questions and, and the challenges for patients because that's not, it's not the proper channel necessarily to actually ask those questions or certainly not to get them answered. And I wonder if you saw any of that in your findings or just anecdotally, what you're hearing from, 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 from people who you talk to. That's a great point. I mean, you know, not just looking at where people go from a medical perspective, but again, those without a medical document are disproportionately going to bud tenders for medical guidance, to friends and family. Uh, anyone who works in the industry who's watching this, I'm sure you're the first person that that cousin goes to is like, you know, I want to use cannabis for medical purposes you're obviously the perfect source of medical advice given you work at a retail store, you are in uh, you know, HR, you're a lawyer, perfect. You're, you're the best person I could talk to because you work in that industry. Um, and I've been a victim of that myself, but you know, it, it's, it's a challenge because obviously people are not getting access to that HCP support that they need. Um, you know, we did hear that stigma was a big factor at play. Uh, patients definitely feel stigmatized by physicians, overwhelming majority said that they felt you know, stigma specifically from traditional HCPs. Um, and you know, we have a really robust clinic system, I will say, but the challenge is if a patient's first visit is to their GP and that person is unwilling to talk about cannabis, unwilling to 
put their name on a, on a medical authorization. That's a moment where, uh, you know, it can take a lot of uh, confidence and, and be a big moment for a patient to bring that up with their physician. And if they shoot that down, that could really stop their engagement with the medical pro profession entirely uh, and really push them to other channels to really understand uh, how to navigate cannabis for medical purposes. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a good lead into next week because I know we have conversations coming up with with like Dr. Uh, Dr. Pearson, uh, who's going to talk about how he's working to train doctors, Dr. Ware, who, who's longtime, um, not only advocate, but but doctor sort of working in the space with cannabis growth, talking to folks in Medifarm Labs about some of the innovation and research they're doing, right? Like I, I think it, comprehensively sort of throughout the whole week, we're going to see some really interesting conversations that feed in a lot of what you're talking about. But one thing that I'm quite looking forward to is, is you, with your help, we've put together a panel um, of folks within your network to talk a bit about the research or the findings that you've had and talk about their experience as patients and then how we can turn that into advocacy um, for the industry to actually get behind some of the things you guys have been talking about. Talk a little bit about the panel and what we can learn from the folks that we have coming in next week. Well, so the, the panel is really, you know, not only just a discussion about what are the barriers in the medical stream, um, you know, what, what challenges patients are facing on the ground, but it's also about a framework for the future. You know, what, what we need to be taking on, not only just the patient advocacy groups, the SHECANs, the MCCs, who are working almost entirely on volunteer time, you know, trying to get some things done, but how can the industry do a better job of supporting patients? Because you mentioned, and I think this is a really key point, we are where we are now due to patients, due to advocates that have been in this system fighting for decades. Um, and I think what is often left behind since recreational legalization is the patients. And, you know, I think there's great things being done uh, at different, you know, different places across the industry uh, from the patient side or in the medical field, but it's not coordinated, it's not systemic. Um, and at the end of the day, this market is getting smaller for a reason. Uh, and it's a problem. I mean, patient outcomes have gotten, at least anecdotally from what we hear, have gotten worse since rec legalization. Uh, patients are feeling like they have more trouble affording or accessing their medication. They feel like they are getting kicked to the rec market more often. Um, even though we saw in our survey, 40% are on compassionate pricing, majority are spending a lot out of pocket on their treatment, which is making it a challenge. So, you know, I think the, what we're trying to get out of this conversation is not just here's what's wrong, it's here's how you need to be working in the future to better support patients. And what that comes down to is also a messaging framework. You know, the challenge I've seen in this industry is, you know, we communicate in a way that works for those who already have a strong cannabis knowledge, who care about the treatment, who see its efficacy out the gate. And at the end of the day, that's just not the way the rest of the world thinks uh, and the rest of uh, Canada thinks. And so, you know, we have worked really hard at MCC to reposition our narrative uh, to be one that is maybe less loud or less uh, of an activist voice, but more trying to position things in a way that matters to regulators, to Canadians, and potentially to physicians. I mean, our, a big focus of our, our narrative and something we saw in that survey is that patients are finding success just reducing their use of uh, opioid painkillers. But that, you know, in our survey, it said that, you know, a good portion of patients uh, uh, have to go back to those medications due to barriers accessing treatment. So, we're not trying to always get into the argument, this is you know, an amazing drug, it's efficacious, it's great. It's, you know, that's an argument that doesn't really work, especially for a lot of issues because randomized controlled trials just aren't where the medical community wants them to be. But framing the argument in an issue of public health and you know, we have a treatment that might have a lower side effect profile than other medications. And while we're in the middle of an opioid crisis, we need to you know, break down those barriers versus fortify them like now more than ever. So 
you know, I think the hope after that conversation is it's not just MCC's perspective, it's a group of incredible advocates that have come from different backgrounds, not just cannabis, it's in issues advocating for BIPOC communities, for disability rights. And, you know, I think all of this dialogue can really help us do a better job of, you know, positioning our narrative, um, developing our strategies so that they work uh, among those people that actually can make those decisions that impact the framework long-term. Well, we are excited. Uh both for the work that you guys are doing independent of Medical Cannabis Week, but also um, that you've helped us put together a really uh, amazing panel for next week. And thank you for the advocacy you guys are doing and shedding light on these important issues. We look forward to following up uh, next Wednesday at noon as well. So if you have not, and you're listening to this or watching this, have not registered, uh, uh, you can go to our website, businessofcannabis.ca, head over to the events uh, section, and you can find uh, all of the programming for next week. Everything will also be streamed on businessofcannabis.ca, so you can watch it there. Max, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next week. Yep, see you then. Thanks so much.